Hey, and welcome to Imani Nicole, the podcast, the place where you can be both spiritual and the most authentic version of yourself. I'm your host and lit life coach, Imani, and I will help demystify spiritual concepts and empower you to be the most lit version of yourself as you navigate your spiritual journey, relationships, and self-evolution while having a ton of fun in the process. Let's be our best selves together and let's get started. Hello, sweet souls, and welcome to this episode. Welcome to my energy. I am so happy and excited that you are here. I just want to start off the jump and say that I am definitely getting over a cold or like something, (laughs) and I may sound a little nasally or congested, but I do sound way better than I did like a few days ago. So hopefully you can bear with me through this episode. (laughs) I actually just came in from Starbucks today at the time of this recording, at least, is Red Cup Day. So you get a free red reusable cup if you order a holiday drink. So I am wrapped up in my favorite pink hoodie, sipping on my caramel brulee latte, and I am just in a really, really good, happy vibe. So let's get into it, shall we? So like I said in a previous episode, there are people in my aura that are interested in being a coach if they are not already, or either in training of some sort. And so in this episode, I really wanted to share what I wish I knew three years ago before becoming a life coach. And had I known these things, it would have saved me so much heartache, so much heartbreak, mind drama, stress, like the whole thing had I wish or had I known these things. And my hope, my intention is that if you're thinking about it, then hopefully it will help you. So before I get into what I wish I knew, I just very, very briefly wanted to explain what coaching is and how it's different from therapy, right? So I heard it explained like this when I was in my very first certification and one of my instructors described coaching as a personal trainer for your goals. (laughs) And I just love that explanation so, so much because that's exactly what it is. So no matter what kind of coaching it is, right, no matter whether it's life coaching, mindset coaching, business, whatever it is, it doesn't even matter, right? Any kind of coaching, you will help them define goals, eliminate negative emotions, eliminate negative or limiting decisions and teach them how to motivate themselves and hold themselves accountable to their goals. Whereas therapy is a long-term process that is facilitated by healthcare professionals, right? It focuses on uncovering past trauma and events and problems and really healing from that, right? Therapists also have the authority to diagnose and clinically treat their patients, whereas coaches cannot do that. No, 
like, no, just no. (laughs) So the guiding question in therapy is why is this happening or why does this pattern exist? Whereas the guiding question in coaching is how do I move forward from this? Right? How can I achieve the goals that this block once held me back from? Another really key distinction between therapy and coaching is that whereas therapy really unpacks the past in order to answer that question of why, right? Coaching acknowledges the past in order to move forward from. So coaching tends to be more solution focused, right? Heavy on the accountability, heavy on the goal setting, right? So I like to think of therapy as being the flashlight to the block and coaching being the launch pad to really propel you forward to truly move past it. Okay, so I could ramble on and on about that. But I now want to get into what I wish I knew before I became a life coach. So the first thing that I wish I knew before I became a life coach is that you do not have to have a business in order to coach. And my God, I wish I knew this because I will be completely transparent. I had no interest whatsoever in being an entrepreneur or having my own business when I first started. I just wanted to coach people, but I started a coaching business because that's what I thought I had to do in order to coach or make the kind of money that I wanted to make. And so that's what I did. So did I learn new skills and strategies for business building and marketing? Yes. Did putting myself out there and making offers and getting used to rejection stretch me? Ab-so-freaking-lutely. But it wasn't until I was in my second year of being a coach and I was sitting in a workshop and she was going over the different realms and prototypes of her program, right? And if you were like dominant in this realm that I happen to be dominant in, she said that you probably could care less if you have a business. You just want to go out and help people. And when I heard that, I cried because at the time I I didn't want that. I didn't I sincerely did not want to be an entrepreneur. I I didn't want that, but that's what I felt like I had to do and I felt so seen and understood in that moment. The majority of the coaches that you see in the industry or maybe that are the most visible are those that have their own coaching businesses and a lot of the certifications that are out there teach you how to have a business. The two that I was a part of, you know, had a portion where they teach you how to have your own coaching business, but it doesn't have to be that if you don't want it to be. You can be a coach within someone else's community or container, right? If you want to be an entrepreneur, amazing, you can. And if you want to be an employee, you absolutely can. That is 
100% possible. That's what I have done and currently do within my coaching career as of now. So past and present, I've had three coaching gigs, two of which came from the way that I showed up and participated in their programs and spaces. The other came from a Google search. So I'll talk about the two that kind of unfolded for me. (laughs) So you, you can think of me as a support coach in Turn Up Squad. And I joined in the second month that Turn Up Squad was even a thing. So I've been in the space for four years now. And when I joined as a participant, my role didn't exist. It, it wasn't a thing. And I was reflecting on this. And I really believe that the way that I stood out was the way that I showed up. So for me, the way I showed up was putting a really fun and creative twist on the post that I would do every day, right? So I would post my sweaty selfies or a video of me working out and I would just honestly share what was going on in my life or the insightful hit and download that would come as I was working out, right? No more, no less. And it would just garner attention and engagement, not because I was trying to do that. That was absolutely not my intention. I'm the kind of person who needed to post every day because that's what holds me accountable. And I won't rehash or explain the whole story here but one thing led to another that led to another and it unfolded over the years and now here we are and I had a very similar experience when I got hired as a support coach for a date coaching company I started off as a participant in her program I'd come to the calls share my insight share what was going on got coached and that was it. I wasn't necessarily looking for a job, but the opportunity was presented to me. So from my own experience, the best thing that I could suggest is to be active in the communities that you genuinely love and adore and whose work really affects you. Both and, right? Don't participate because you're trying to get a job or don't connect with people just because you're trying to get a client, you know, like don't do that shit. It's whack, it's phony, and it can be felt, right? But I will suggest you be active if there is a community component, like if someone is asking for advice and it's not against the community guidelines, show up, you know what I mean? And again, do not do this for ulterior motives, right? Ask yourself, would I show up or be or say or do this thing if nobody saw it, right? And if the answer is yes, proceed, okay? And don't do this because you're quote unquote trying to get a job, right? But what I am saying is show up authentically because you never know who's watching. You never know when an opportunity will show up and you are seen, you know, so just keep that in mind when you are interacting. And there's another thing that I can suggest just from my own, you know, eyes and ears and experience. But if there are coaches or communities that you know, like and trust, join their email list, 
sometimes they will send out job posts to their email list and say, oh, hey, are you a coach? We're looking for support coaches for XYZ program. Apply here, right? And I honestly think that's the way it goes for the most part. From what I've seen, a lot of coaching companies or companies in general really are hiring in-house. So what I mean by that is that people are giving opportunities within their communities first. And sometimes these companies won't publicly post jobs, right? They want to hire someone who's gone through and is familiar with their program or modality. They want to hire someone who understands at a participant level what the people in your program are going through, right? They want to hire someone who knows and understands and embodies the culture, right? And I don't say that to discourage you, but what I am meaning to say is to participate authentically and keep your eyes open because maybe you don't have to go far if you want a job opportunity. And then the last coaching gig I found was through Google. So you can search Google jobs and type terms like life coaching remote or spiritual coach jobs remote or whatever your niche is if you have one. So um, health and wellness coach remote jobs, right? And if you're searching, I suggest that you play around with keywords a bit to see what kind of results that you get like support coach or something like that. One thing to keep in mind, though, when you're searching coaching jobs on Google, some will pop up that are multi-level marketing companies. And there's inherently nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking it. However, if that's not what you're actively trying to get involved in, it's important to know what you're getting into. So you want to make sure that you are doing your research and Googling the companies that are posting these things, or you can contact the person directly if their contact information is on the listing. Last thing I'll say before we move on, if you're getting hired by a coach who has their own methodology or program or step-by-step process, you want to make sure that you don't have to pay in order to learn their things if they're going to hire an outside person, right? So if they're hiring you as a support coach for their company, you should not be paying anything to learn their stuff, right? So if you see something like that, your spidey senses should tingle if they're like, yeah, pay for my $30,000 program first, and then maybe we'll see if we hire you, you know? So that's all I have to say about that. Let's go ahead and move on to the second thing I wish I knew before I became a life coach, which is how important it is to understand the subconscious mind and how it works and how necessary it is to get lasting change. So back in my early days of being a coach, I would have a lot of amazing breakthroughs in my sessions and uncover a lot of subconscious blocks through powerful questioning. And we'd even leave the session with action steps. But some of my clients would get stuck on the taking action part. And as we would come back from 
you know, last week's session and we talk about, oh, how was the action steps you were supposed to take? And, you know, week after week, some of them would come back without having done the thing. And if you are a newbie coach or you haven't coached anyone yet, you will understand more about what I'm about to say as you coach more people. But with some clients, awareness is really all they need in order to make change, right? So some of them are like, okay, cool. This is a pattern. I see that it's a pattern. I see what's happening. I know what's going on. Let me do something different, right? And those type of clients really just need accountability for the most part. And then there are some clients who are aware of the subconscious block that was uncovered through powerful questioning, but that's not quite enough to move them into action, right? They still get stuck and that's no one's fault. It's just a matter of how deeply that subconscious wiring is that in so many words is sabotaging their progress. And these particular clients may not have the vocabulary or the understanding about self-sabotage or how it works. So this may sound like your client saying, oh, I'm just lazy or I know what I need to do, but I just can't bring myself to do it, even though they have you as a coach for accountability. And if they say some things like that, that's a telltale sign that there's likely some deep subconscious programming that is stopping them from taking action. But in my early days, I didn't know that. I wasn't explicitly taught that. And if I'm being super transparent here, I spent a very long time thinking that I was a bad coach. And while I understood and was taught on a level of how to talk to people, how to ask the right questions, and how to hold people accountable and things like that, some of my clients were still stuck. And don't get me wrong, you have to understand that all of that stuff in order to be a rock star in the craft that is coaching And knowing how to rewire the subconscious mind is a game changer. So in reflection, it wasn't that I was a bad coach at all. I just wasn't equipped at the time with the knowledge and the tools to move them past their subconscious resistance. So when I was able to supplement my coaching with modalities that help rewire the subconscious mind, like tapping, like hypnosis, and how to move them from the flight or fight activation to the rest and digest phase, that's when I guided more of my clients through deeper and more lasting change. It was like night and day and my confidence as a coach shot through the roof. And I don't say all of that to say that you can't facilitate change within people if you don't know this stuff, nor do I want to put the narrative out there that you have to spend tens and thousands of dollars to understand this stuff because you absolutely don't. There are a plethora of books and podcasts and YouTube videos that you can read that will help you understand how to coach and how to help you understand the subconscious mind. And you can help anyone from where you are and you are absolutely uniquely qualified right now to help facilitate someone's transformation if that is the path that you want to take. But really honing in on and understanding 
how the subconscious mind works in hindsight really, really helped me understand that their subconscious wiring and resistance was not a reflection of my abilities as a coach, right? And it wasn't on me to internalize that, right? I didn't need to internalize that. But once I was armed with the tools and modalities, I am now able to assist my clients through that in order to create lasting change. Now, the blessing and the curse of the coaching industry is that it's not regulated. Therefore, you don't necessarily have to be certified in order to be a life coach, meaning you don't have to spend thousands of dollars in order to start helping people right now. You could turn this podcast off and say, oh, hey, I'm going to start taking clients right now who wants in. And that is a beautiful and wonderful blessing for the well-intended people who aren't in a position to prioritize spending thousands and thousands of dollars to, you know, be certified in coaching or in certain modalities, right? Some of the most powerful coaches that I know are not certified coaches, honestly. However, they are very resourceful and they take in information that will help them become a better coach. So there are a few resources that I recommend if you want a lean start or if you aren't prioritizing a coaching certification right now. And I'll start with books first. So basically any book by Tony Robbins, (laughs) he is the godfather, I think, of this entire industry and he's amazing. Another one is called The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay Stanier. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. If not, I'll put everything down in the show notes. Another book which is a great introduction to understanding the subconscious mind is called um, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murray. And a podcast that I actually recommend for those who are interested in becoming a life coach is called The Life Coach School by Brooke Castillo. And she is absolutely incredible, incredible. Also, if you happen to be into tapping at all, then I highly recommend The Tapping Solution by Nick Ortner. Gosh, I hope I'm saying his name right. All of this will be down in the show notes. (laughs) But he does a really amazing job at explaining tapping and what it is, how to do it. And honestly, tapping is so easy. You don't have to necessarily be certified in it. Like once you tap enough on your own to understand the sequences and stuff like that, you can you can tap on yourself with clients. Or what you can also do is find tapping videos and send them to your clients as supplementary, you know, resources. Okay. The last thing that I wish I knew is for my people pleasers out here. So as a recovering people pleaser, yes, recovering as in present tense, I wish 
that I understood that I need to increase my tolerance for making people uncomfortable in order to be an effective coach. So if you're taking notes and if you identify as a people pleaser or recovering people pleaser, underline, star, (laughs) highlight, whatever it is that you need to do. This is so important and integral to understand. When people want to work with you, As a coach, they are signing up for their transformation, which means they are also signing up for the discomfort that must coexist with that transformation. And some people sincerely aren't ready for that, truly, and that's okay. So it's your job to help them understand and make sure that they're ready for that before entering your container that they will feel uncomfortable. It's quite literally your job, especially if you are a transformational coach of some sort to rock their world and disrupt their pattern. This means challenging the way they think. This means challenging their limiting beliefs or as I like to call them, still ass stories. This means holding them accountable to what the fuck they say they're going to do, right? And teaching them how to be impeccable with their word. And one of my biggest and I would say hardest lessons that I've had to learn is that you can only facilitate change to the extent that you are willing to make them uncomfortable. There may be some days as your coach that they don't like you very much. Hell, there may be days where they might want to fight you or cuss you out, right? And nothing is wrong. In fact, one of the reframes that I adopted was that resistance and discomfort gets to mean that it's working. And on the other side, they'll thank you for it. And understand that the discomfort or the resistance that they are feeling is not about you as a person. It's about the discomfort of getting out of their comfort zone. Now, I definitely want to make a distinction between the difference between discomfort because of trying something new and discomfort because of genuine misalignment, right? So if you sense resistance in your client Your job as a coach is to get curious about it so that you and they can understand what they're feeling. So in practice, this can sound like, hey, I'm sensing some resistance. Can you tell me more about it? So as long as the discomfort that they're feeling is coming from getting out of their comfort zone, it gets to mean that your client's resistance gets to mean that it's working or that you're becoming a better coach. If they are having resistance because of misalignment, because of whatever the reason why, then you get to workshop that with them. And for me, my biggest thing was reframing discomfort. So as a people pleaser, if people felt uncomfortable around me, I thought that I immediately needed to quote unquote fix it or do whatever I could to remove their discomfort on my behalf, (laughs) right? And as a coach, it's really important and and I keep repeating this because it's imperative as your success rate as a coach. The reason why people hire coaches to begin with is to transform. 
And it took me a few years to come to this realization that my people pleasing tendencies was showing up in the way that I coached. And as an aside, if you happen to serve people pleasers, or if people pleasers happen to be attracted to you, it's really important to check in with them, right? So use your discernment and explicitly ask them like, hey, is this truly resonating for you? It's totally fine if not. So if you're afraid of making them uncomfortable or nervous or challenging them, or if you're afraid to hold them accountable, you may feel uncomfortable calling that out. There's a way to lovingly call that out, right? You don't have to cuss anybody out. But ultimately, if that resonates for you, your own self-work and your own healing comes in with deconditioning that people-pleasing part of you. And so I wanted to share some thoughts that I chose, actively chose, that helped me get comfortable with making other people uncomfortable as a coach. Discomfort gets to mean that it's working. I love breaking people's brains. Resistance is the first sign of deconditioning, which is what they want. My people love and need tough love. People pay me to facilitate growth. Therefore, discomfort is unavoidable. I am doing no favors by coddling anyone. That's what got them here in the first place. Right. And so those are thoughts that I needed to choose in order to expand my capacity for making them feel uncomfortable. And it's about feeling safe in your body to make people uncomfortable. And you can practice this in your own life outside of coaching. So if you are a people pleasing coach, you're probably a people pleaser in other areas of your life too. And this part takes practice. It takes using that muscle Okay, sweet dears, that is all I have for you today. Those are three things that I wish I knew before I became a coach. And I cannot wait to hear your feedback on this episode. If you are already a coach, what do you wish you knew? And if you are a newbie coach or thinking about it, What other questions do you have? I kind of love this topic. So let me know. Maybe it'll be a podcast episode. I can't wait to hear what you think. And I will see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love what you heard, tell me about it. Find me on Instagram at Imani Nicole and tag me and tell me what you loved about this episode. I love hanging out with you and I cannot wait to talk to you next week. See you soon.